Hello, beauties. Welcome to Rebels on Purpose, a truth-telling podcast where we explore what it means to live boldly with purpose, on purpose. Through real conversations, we anchor radical curiosity, awareness, and love as fundamental tenets of our lives. We commit to relentlessly calling ourselves and one another up through presence, openness, and saying what needs to be said. This show is our way of calling a modern day circle where we focus on freedom, truth, joy, and the celebration of being fully alive. Please join me, Lindsay Nazan, and my bestie, Jamie Matiasen, as we explore the fruits revealed to us through a devoted practice of soul inquiry as we journey towards our sacred responsibility. All right, so we're here to talk about Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) Never, never in the history of ever did we think we would be having this conversation. Uh, That is true. Yeah. Up until two weeks ago, I didn't think I would see this movie Mm because I was kind of fighting it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really excited to talk about that piece (laughs) and your picture as well because I've, I've had so much back and forth with this. It's been really fascinating to watch on social media, the the divisiveness and polarity of people who are for or against the movie and the whole, the whole scene. So yeah, very excited to chat about that, but more so excited because we have two amazing guests here today <laughs> that we want to share with this amazing community that we have with Rebels on Purpose, because these two young women are amazing rebels with purpose and um i'm gonna let them introduce themselves and uh we will give you guys a chance to tell us a little bit about yourself so first of all we will say that that kenzie is here and kenzie is jamie's daughter Mm -hmm. and kenzie's bestie tatiana is here as well so (laughs) why don't you guys introduce yourselves and uh just tell us what you feel like saying okay well i'm Kat, and I am very excited to be on a podcast with these amazing women. Um, I've never done a podcast before, but I'm excited about the topic, and I loved previous previous podcasts. So, I'm, yeah, I'm just really excited to be able to be a part of this. How old are you? I am freshly 18. <laughs> oh, yes, you are freshly 18. I didn't know that. Wow. So she's legal in Alberta. Holy... so tell us something interesting about you that most people might not know Uh, just a little trivia I'm not sure I'm kind of kind of a nerd yes keep going (laughs) (laughs) I recently got into um cosplaying and creation and being able to make something of my own with my own mind and my own hands um and I've been a little bit nervous to share that with people but I it's a part of me that is becoming more and more relevant every day so I've tried to bring it out in myself more and yeah it just and I can attest that her costume making is unbelievable (laughs) like absolutely unbelievable we'll share her handle it's so good. Yeah, she and she spends a long time creating these amazing costumes. And yeah, it's like you can see her come alive when she's in the costume. It's quite amazing. So that was a perfect, that's what I was hoping you would say. <laughs> hey, Taddy, what's your favorite costume you've made so far? 
or you've performed as or being? I was recently, I just finished a one of my biggest cosplays as Urza Scarlet from my first ever anime. Um, and it's an entire suit of armor that I've tried making out of EVA foam. And it was, it was, it was heavy and hot, but it, it <laughs> was a very rewarding cosplay to finish. Yeah. Cool. Do you have a photo of you in that costume? I do. I have, I have a lot of photos. Yeah. We'll share her Instagram handle. Yeah. Cause they're amazing. I'm sure our audience would love to see your, your Scarlet. <laughs> yeah and the people who are listening it's like oh there's my people that's what happens when you tell the world about who you are you find your people <laughs> totally all right Ken's you're up sister give us your name your age and something interesting about you that people wouldn't know necessarily I feel like I'm doing an icebreaker I guess that's what this is kind of you love icebreakers <laughs> you're my favorite <laughs> she's just she's just like her mother <laughs> Um, my name is Kenzie and I'm 17 years old. Something interesting about myself. I read. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> what are you reading right now? Uh, uh, the city of dust. Pretty stellar. One of them's a necromancer. Oh, so you're gonna have to elaborate. What's necromancy? I can control the dead. Oh yes. I think it'd be the coolest power to ever have. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that would be cool? What would you do with it? Everything. Like. Well, a I would have really cool bone jewelry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you would. <laughs> and it's making me feel really dope. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, well, this is what I do. I can take the bones out of your body. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ken's, what's your favorite book of all time? Pity in the Night. It's wow. also Necromancers, but yeah. they're in space. <laughs> Have you actually read the book Necromancer? No. <laughs> My husband, you know, Uncle Ari, he's got, he likes books and he has this book, Necromancer in his bookshelf. And he always talks about it because it's really hard to get through, but he's got, he's had it for all of the years we've been together. So maybe I'll have to send it to you because he's not going to read it. Add it to my everlasting TBR. Uh-huh. Yeah. The TBR. I've got one of those too. <laughs> to be read? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many books did you read last year? Um, 105. And the year before? 165. Right. So wow. this kid can devour a book in like two days. It's kind of shocking. Well, less than that, but. <laughs> I'm talking about the fatties. I'm not going to do that in a day. <laughs> Depends what else you have to do. Well, it took me three days to read a 1,000 page book. Okay. That's good. That's good. I feel like yeah. I got a little glimpse. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing both of you. It's nice to, it's nice to just hear you talk about yourselves a little bit and give our audience and, and me, especially cause I don't, I don't know Taddy very well and Ken's, I mean, I know you, but it's always fun to hear you guys talk about yourselves. Um, cause I don't think that something that happens a lot, you know, there's not always an opportunity or space to do that. So we're going to make you talk about yourselves today. <laughs> All right. All right. James, you want to go for it? Or? Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, so we've seen the Barbie movie. All of us, all four of us have seen it. Um, Lindsay and I were the last to see it, which I find kind of funny. Um, my first reaction to the Barbie movie was like, oh, they're just releasing this movie so they could sell us a bunch of crap. So I had already, <laughs> which is also true, right? And Ken's and um, Taddy and Chloe, their other friend went and uh, raved about it. Absolutely raved about it and said, I had to go see it. And so Kenzie took me like, I don't know, when did we go last week? Last week. Yeah. So it was her second time to the movie and my first. And um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I was very entertained. Um, I tried to just stay, keep my mind open and wait for, you know, kind of what was, what was coming and just try to enjoy the entertainment value and the nostalgia of Barbie, which is our generation, right? Lindsay and I have a lot of nostalgia around Barbie, whereas Taddy and Ken's, they have some, but it's not as, I don't know, I guess we'll find out in the conversation. So I guess where we want to start was, what did you love about this movie? What was it about this movie, Ken's, like, that made you want to go to it twice? It was very camp. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, like, kind of like over-the-top drama. Like, it was very much like they know, I don't know, like, they know what Barbie actually does to people, like, the way... I guess, like mom said, it puts expectations of like, oh, you don't actually look like this. And they use that. I guess it's just like they, um, it was like ironic almost. <laughs> yeah. Like ironic. It was ironic the way that they were using the like most beautiful person and then spinning well, it. Yeah. And they're very self-aware, I think is probably a better term to use. When Who you self-aware? Yeah. Who's they? The producers yeah maybe because I think if they wanted to make it more realistic like you know when they were talking about cellulite and like how she was thought she was disgusting and ugly they knew that they hired a very beautiful woman who fit <laughs> like Eurocentric beauty standards very very well the part where Helen Mirren comes in and says at that one point we're like um this would actually make more sense if we didn't use this actor <laughs> right but yeah. yeah, that Ari actually, I went with Ari and he actually said that was his favorite part was when they actually <laughs> called that out. And they were like, this is kind of ironic because we're using this beautiful Margot Robbie is like gorgeous, you know, flawless woman, whatever. And uh, he said he thought that that was the best. He thought he liked the cheekiness of that the most. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. And for them to say that is, yeah, it, it indicates some level of awareness of the the play, right? The play that they're that they're running on yeah yeah perfect okay so taddy the first question we want to ask you is do you have any memories of playing with barbie and what were they from your childhood yeah so i it was playing with barbies was very different for me because i have I've had divorced parents with two separate houses with two different styles of Barbies, right? Yeah. So playing at my mom's house with Barbies, it was princesses, it was fairies, it was the mermaid Barbies. And I I felt like a princess. I would put myself in my Barbie. I would be the Barbie. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just being able to have multiple Barbies and feel like they are my friends, mm -hmm. you know, in, in sad times of elementary school bullying mm. it was a comfort but mm. 
going to my father's house, it was the stereotypical blonde Barbie. It was, I had one Barbie that looked like me. And so the difference of that was I was putting myself in the brunette Barbie. Hmm. And I was kind of comparing that Barbie to my stereotypical blonde Barbie. And it was always just me trying to portray myself through them. And not only that, but always playing alone. Hmm. You know, Barbie's dream house was just Barbie or just Barbie and Ken. And it was never with another little girl. Hmm. So those Barbies became the other little girls that I could play with. Cool. Because you had brothers, right? You have all brothers. Yeah, I have two younger brothers. So a lot of the time my Barbies were getting hit with hockey sticks. (laughs) (laughs) They got, they got abused a little bit. And, um, <laughs> they but, became the overplayed with Barbie. <laughs> yeah, they became, yeah, exactly. They became weird Barbie, but they, they were weird very, Barbie. Yeah. they were very sad. <laughs> um, but I also saw my brothers would play with the Ken dolls with me. And I was always very happy about that, even though I necessarily wouldn't always play with Ken. There was always another doll there that made my brothers feel like they could join hmm. and still be as equal you know, and yeah. I was, that was, that made me a happy little girl. I didn't need other little Barbie friends. Mm-hmm. I had my brothers. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting memory that you can think back to like how you felt about it, like that you can conjure that up. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially- brothers too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so I, I played Barbie very similarly to the, your, I think the, the sort of princess fairies kind of one is that very much resonates for how I played with Barbies as well. And mostly I played by myself. Sometimes I would have friends come over and we would play together, but mostly uh, it was me on my own with the Barbie dream house and the like Corvette cruising around and, you know, making muffins or whatever in the kitchen. Um, it was very, it was very Susie homemaker kind of Barbie play for me, uh, and Barbie and Ken playing house type of stuff and driving around going on dates. And my brother was really into, I have two older, two older brothers. I'm the youngest, some opposite of you, Teddy. And I would, my brothers, my middle brother was very into GI Joe absolutely love G.I. Joe. So we would like trade and I would play G.I. Joe with him and he would just annihilate my little dolls, my characters. And then he would play Barbie with me and he would play Ken. And just same as your brother, like it was an in to be able to play with the boy doll somehow made this feeling of it's equal and safe somehow. Although he did beat up Barbies on the regular and like cut their hair and burn, singe their hair and like all all (laughs) kinds of things happened to the poor Barbies. (laughs) But, you know, I do remember I could feel that my brother secretly liked playing Barbie. Like there, if he listens to this, he's going to kill me. Um, but I could really feel it inside his little, you know, 12 year old body that he was like something about it was appealing to him in that he got to be the man of the house and like take care of the household and drive the big truck around. And it's like, <laughs> it was really sweet. And I do, I do have fond memories of that. So yeah, that was a really cool share. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that, Taddy. How about you, Ken's? Do you have a memory of playing with Barbie? I don't think I played with Barbies like that much. I don't remember. Yeah. But I might have. I remember we had Barbies. 
Like, what, kind of, what kind of Barbies did you have? Do you remember what they were like? I didn't like Ken dolls. And I only got like the female Barbies. I don't really remember. I don't, I think I had more important things to do. <laughs> I don't really remember playing with Barbies like that much. I like yeah. to dress them. To dress them? Yeah, but yeah. I don't think like house. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think like that I think you're accurate though like yeah. Kenzie embodied Barbie so Kenzie embodied the characters as herself like she really was dressing herself up I, that's what I remember and she was always in her own little world with that so like there was play going on but it wasn't external from her she was actually in the action as the Barbie or the doll do you remember that yes I would be like <laughs> It wasn't like I was playing with two dolls and they were having a conversation. It was like I was having a conversation with one of the dolls. Like I was also a Yes, yes. Facets. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Her imagination was next level. And she would disappear for hours. Literally, I'd be like, oh my God, where's Kenzie? <laughs> but she was always talking out loud. She was always like part of the world of it. It was never something that she was doing outside of herself. And she was like that her whole childhood. And she didn't actually need people around her. And I ran a day home when they were very young for five years. And there was always kids around. But I do remember like her just being the Barbie and then being engaged with the dolls, whatever doll she was playing with, Polly Pockets, Barbies. Yeah, but I feel like people also played wrong. Like, oh, I, <laughs> say more. Because like, whenever I'd play like with friends or something, I would tell them what to say next because I had a story in my head. <laughs> and if they went against the grain, I would get upset. Mm. It's really fun, you know. Because <laughs> you were imagining the life as it was going along and you, you were part of it. So it was like, this is the way we're doing it. And you're silly over, over here. That's not right. Yeah, I had a story. And I, and it, other people didn't agree with me I would get like actually mad <laughs> and it was just easier to do by myself yeah yeah and I think that was really apparent because she was always talking out loud always like she was never alone per se <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like the oh like the imagination yeah. was like it was it spilled out into the space and so I think you got to, you got to exact, have all the stories that you wanted because it was just you and whoever was there, whether we could see them or not. Right. I still do that now. Mm -hmm. I talk out loud all the time. Yeah. 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 I in my favorite shows. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of amazing. Like that is a sign. Well, I've read that, that people like people who talk out loud and adults who talk out loud, it's a sign of in incredible intelligence. Yeah. And it makes sense how much you read and like you get lost in a book and you devour a book. It's not like you're reading to like have any kind of agenda, but the imagination part has always as just having the perspective of your mom. Yeah. I guess that's why I write so much fan fiction now. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes sense that reading is your favorite thing to do coming from this background of like your greatest friend, your greatest companion as a child was your imagination right? Like it just, it, that completely intertwines for me and makes sense. Um, and then, you know, you'll never be lonely when you have a great imagination. And I think that's such a beautiful quality. And I did think in the Barbie movie that I liked the level of imagination that was alive in the film. Like that was something I really enjoyed about it. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. yeah. Like they really looked at 
I don't know, like Barbie floats. She doesn't walk to her car. <laughs> yeah. She just gets picked up and put down. Because you know, know actually like play, play with, with it. I know I laughed. I laughed out loud really hard when she floated off the roof the first time. And Ari looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, oh, you clearly never played with Barbie because that's exactly what we would do. It's like, <laughs> she never used the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I love that part. The, the, the movement between the worlds, like the, the reenactment on the scooters and like traveling through this different elements of time and space. Like, yeah. I just thought that is the, that was the gift of Barbie is the the imagination and like you had to create that you had to create the transitions right from like wherever you were going whether you got in your Barbie Corvette or you got in your camper van or you know a lot of times in our house we didn't have a lot of those kind of toys for the Barbie world but we had like monster trucks because I had a boy and a girl because he had a big brother do you remember if Max played Barbies with you ever um you play dress up with me, but right, not Barbies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you guys were like the living, <laughs> the living body of the Barbies. <laughs> <laughs> the only person that ever played Barbies with me was Uncle Frank. Oh, sweet Uncle Frank. He would, he would lay for hours <laughs> on the carpet and play Barbies with Kenzie. Oh, bless Uncle Frank. That's yeah, amazing. Uncle Frank was a special man. Yeah. Rest his soul because he was an amazing man but he would do that with the kids he would go right there whatever the kids needed yeah he was he was a very special guy yeah and he would play with you for hours up in the loft mm -hmm. yeah yeah I don't think Max is very much into Barbies yeah I, I, I more so played with his toys than he played uh, with mine because mm -hmm. maybe it was like a oh I don't want to do like girly things with you but I didn't care if I did like girly things with him that, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what it was with me too yeah yeah so you guys were more apt to cross the gender line than your yeah. brothers were to go the other way. That's really interesting. I mean, that's kind of a heart part of this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, say more about that. What do you have to say about that? More? Yeah. Maybe it was just like, it wasn't a big deal. Like, cause girls could be like tomboys growing up. Mm -hmm. But if a man was like more feminine, then it was like not okay, right? It's so like if I got, if I like played Hot Wheels with Max or like, got my hands dirty it wasn't like a big deal it was just like oh you know she'll grow out of it like whatever but if a boy was like feminine mm. it was like oh my god something is wrong we mm. have to and maybe that's why it just it was like not as comfortable to like cross yes that's exactly it with my two brothers I my middle brother I realized was a lot like that he would have a lot he would have a very hard time um, when he got older, when I, when we were younger, you know, he was okay with kind of crossing that line. But after like five or six years old, you know, my dad kind of really hammered her into his head that mm. he is a man, you know, and it was even starting at school where he didn't feel comfortable with doing that, playing Barbies or dress up anymore. Right. But I noticed that my youngest brother was still okay with it. Like mm. he was, he cared what others thought but he didn't he didn't stop him like he didn't care to an excessive amount mm. and it was kind of just like seeing two different sides mm. of what goes on in a lot of boys lives right? yeah so that and formation so of those gender roles mm -hmm. very young like the first the first place we start to see that is in the family unit whether yeah. it be you know and when we look outside like our immediate nuclear families whether they be in two homes or not then we look at the older generations layered on top of that right 
I, one of the picture that was popping in my head is I have a picture of Max and Kenzie standing in front of the fireplace, maybe th- three and five. I know what picture. You know what picture yeah. I'm talking about? And she's dressed all in his clothes and he's dressed in all of her clothes and he's holding a purse and they are howling. Like, but we have quite a few pictures of that. There's pictures of, of them in what you would saw like cross gender. Mm-hmm. Kenzie would put on a ballerina dress with a Spider-Man mask, you know, like imagination I can see now in retrospect thinking about these things as as Kenzie and Chatty are talking about this it's like the environment within which you are allowed to explore these toys is really where where it's informed right what what's happening with what could be and what what is for certain families right whereas I I I feel like I didn't have any expectations of gender I'm sure I did subconsciously too but the the mixing of all the toys and the boys and the girls like there was just freedom to play and be creative and it's just really fascinating to hear like when a when a parent starts to interject and lay all of that shit on top of their kids like how that informs going forward would you guys agree yeah i think it like it creates toxic masculinity yeah right that's how that starts it's yeah it's like saying this is how you're a man this is how you're not a man and then you see men as they get older, like, I don't know, they're hanging out with a guy who's like maybe more comfortable in his masculinity. Mm-hmm. He's like not as manly or he's not good enough or he's gay or whatever. Right. It's because this person has this like preconceived notion of what a man is. Yes. And yeah. It's always from like his dad or his grandfather or like something like yeah, that. Yeah. Schools. Every time we get into like these systems, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. S- super interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And with the movie, it's funny because I've seen some people critiquing the effeminate nature of Ryan Gosling's character as Ken, that he wasn't manly enough. He was too effeminate. And so I'm so curious to hear what you guys think about that. Um, did, Did that occur to you while you were watching it? Did you have a response to it in your guts at all? Like, what did you notice? Um, yeah, okay. So I noticed at the beginning of the movie when Ryan Gosling was just, you know, the regular Ken in Barbie land with all the other Kens and everything, he didn't seem uncomfortable in his masculinity. You know, he was, his job was beach and he was okay <laughs> with that. And he felt pride in that. <laughs> and he, you know, he wanted to show that because he was proud of his, you know, his job and what he could do. And he didn't, he didn't seem like he felt disrespected or unsafe or anything. But right when he got to the real world and he started learning about patriarchy and how men have power over women and, you know, just all of that, he started to feel like he started feeling more, more self-conscious of his masculinity Mm. and he started to question whether he was masculine enough because he didn't have a horse and he didn't (laughs) he wasn't (laughs) part of the (laughs) patriarchy you know and I think that after seeing all of that he got a lot more self-conscious and he took that and brought it back to Barbie land and that's when things started to get a lot more heated yeah what did you think about ken's character i i liked ken but i do agree like he's he is feminine like in barbie land because it's a feminine world in a way right because these toys were created and catered for girls right so there's lots of pink it's very feminine there's nothing wrong with that 
but like Ken is gonna be feminine in a way, right? And I think that, you know, he was like what Tat said, he was never uncomfortable because there was nothing telling him, there was nobody saying that he wasn't feminine enough, right? Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. he wasn't masculine Masculine enough. enough. Yeah. Because, you know, all of the men were like that. They were all comfortable with their masculinity. (laughs) And he goes to the real world and he actually sees that he's seen beneath other men, I guess, or like he's not, he's a neck almost. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't walk into a room and like everyone looks at him. He doesn't, (laughs) you know, like command women around Mm -hmm. because that's not what Barbie land is. Mm -hmm. So it's not really, it was never anything he thought about. Mm -hmm. And then he sees this world where men are the leaders and he goes, oh, this is awesome. But it's masculinity that's that's fueling that, I think. Yeah. Or what what's perceived by yeah. patriarchy to be masculine and feminine. I mean, we could have a whole podcast around that. <laughs> what does feminine actually mean? What does masculine actually mean? But when we're if we're talking about like in simplistic terms, because the feminine isn't just about pink. It's actually nothing to do with pink, right? But it's about these women flowing through their lives and doing the things that they love to do, mm-hmm. having power over themselves and expressing themselves, you know, that's, and creativity is very feminine in nature, whereas the masculine is very linear, right? Get to the top of the Mattel tower, right? So we need both of those things. And I think you're right though, like in the movie, he, there was something about Barbie land that didn't quite fit with him. Like, was he really just happy being beach? That's kind of where my head went, or was that because he also seemed oppressed a little bit in Barbie land. Like he didn't really know where he fit or like he was just kind of pining after Barbie and like, well, that's no life. Like <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Right. I'm like, there's more to life <laughs> than getting a girl, <laughs> you know? So yeah, there was the, and I think in this kind of, in our culture where diversity, we're looking at diversity in a different way and we're letting self-expression have a different tone than when like say Linz and I were younger that he it wasn't so strange to see him wearing pink spandex in the real world you know like that didn't really occur to me well it's funny you say that because when i played with barbie and ken as a kid i remember like ken always had skin tight clothes on he had like banana yellow skin tight yeah. shorts like <laughs> that those clothes were not masculine masculine in this yeah. standard hyper masculinity that we operate now of like he's wearing like the you know the like martial arts shorts or something yeah, like he was like yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like a beach boy, like pretty body, all tan, yeah. like Mr. Mr. Hot little Kendall. Like I, I always, when I looked back after watching the movie and hearing this as a criticism from a certain side that says he's too feminine, it's like, well, that's part of the play. That's part of the play of this whole game of this movie is he is the woman. He is the oppressed in this movie. He is, mm-hmm. he is demonstrating the archetype of the smushed female who is obsessed with getting the man. It's just yep. the gender. They just fucked with the gender roles. Yeah. And oh, we're going to make it Ken. And Ken's obsessed with Barbie. And his whole purpose is to be with Barbie. And if he doesn't have that, he's nothing. And he doesn't know who he is. And he has no identity. Ooh. Like, <laughs> and it's hilarious because you're like, this is so fucking pathetic. He's so pathetic at the end. And you're just like, this is the saddest man I've ever seen. No, thank you. Yeah, like, you know, but I was, but I also realized that that was, it's all part of the play of who he is as a character in both the movie and also as Ken in the world of Barbie Land. I, 
I don't think it could have been any other way is kind of what my thought was on that. But I, but I just think it's so interesting that people are so upset about it. <laughs> are, are you guys having conversations where people are upset in your circle? No, no, you haven't seen anything or heard we anything. Are two, three people. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, but like, I do think it's funny though, that people are upset that they think that Ken is very feminine. Like he's too feminine. That's the argument. Is yeah. Right. Yeah. Because they literally had a discontinued Barbie in the in the movie where the reason that he got discontinued was because he looked too gay to get an earring <laughs> yeah i remember and that was a real thing that was a real thing like all the barbies that were discontinued in the movie like they poked fun of were discontinued in real life because mm. of like controversy right and ken got to stay because he was like barbie and ken whatever he was like a little bit more feminine but then a barbie who he was like wearing like leather pants like <laughs> like a button down but he had an earring right and that was where they drew the line right yeah it's crazy it's very it's very like um contradicting i think yeah it's like yeah that's what you're upset about yeah yeah that's the hill you're gonna die on like whew. yeah i think you're right kens there are so there's so much juxtaposition with this movie and and mattel taking the piss out of itself and the gender conflicts that are that are inside of it all and the inclusivity and the diversity it's poking fun at all of these things, but it's oh. also hugely part of the problem. So it's just this like banging up against right. the whole darn Which movie. I kind of found was cool about the movie was when they were trying to put Barbie back in the box, I was dying. I thought, oh my God, with the binding and everything, I was like, they really touched on these massive historical problems, but in a way that was, you had to make it digestible for a six-year-old, not digestible, but they had to be able to sit through this. And then for us, to have a little a more in-depth conversation about the symbolism of these things and like what this historically has meant for us. Yeah, I found I found those things like, I just thought it was clever. I just, there was a cleverness about some of the things that they broached yeah. um, without preaching at us. But like, here, why don't you look at this and what do you see? when they're putting Barbie back in the box? Because I guarantee you, there's some people who didn't think twice about that. I didn't. You didn't? Barbie in the box. That oh. was symbolism for something, really. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, I was I was panicking when I saw that. Like, inside, I was scared. I didn't want her to be back in the box. Mm. I well, She was finally kind of... The minute that she said, I actually don't want to go back in that box, I felt relief because mm. I was like, okay, she's understanding herself. Mm. You know, her wanting to go back to Barbie land and for everything to go back to normal was because change is very scary, especially when it comes to gender roles and oh. and everything like that, right? And so when she finally was like, I, I don't want that. I want to be able to discover more and understand more. I was... I was very happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it was brave. Right. That yeah. was like a huge act of courage. Yeah. And, on her also, part. and it's all these men trying to put a Barbie doll in a box. <laughs> you know, that yeah. was, that really caught me off guard. And I was like, okay, this is the world, you know, I'm, I just had a revelation about that. Oh. I, I didn't think about that when I was watching it. And I was wondering why she was like, so uncomfortable because the whole kind of thing, she's like, oh, I want to go back to Barbara. And she didn't want to be in the real world. Yeah. And then the second she's forced to go back in the box, she was like, something doesn't feel right in her gut about it. And I was confused a bit, like why she was so nervous mm. or why she said no. Mm. And now it's making sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there were so many gems in this movie 
that if you weren't, you know, if you weren't looking for it or where I was looking for that kind of stuff, when I went, (laughs) right. Yeah. Because that's what we do. Like we, we look at this stuff all the time and we've been looking at it for three decades longer than you guys have. Right. So I was looking for those things, but I could see how, you know, they were dropping these little pearls along the way and you would either pick them up or you would just sit and be entertained for two hours. There was, I think there's a whole spectrum of how this movie impacted people. And there is a wide spectrum, right? Obviously there's people who are like, you know, campaigns against this movie. And then there's the other people who are like, it was really entertaining and lovely. And, you know, I'm probably going to buy it on DVD or whatever. Well, I don't know if people do that anymore, do they? See, I'm old. My kids, the kids just looked at me like, what's a DVD? (laughs) Just kidding. There's a quote in the movie that I wrote down, which is so this part. And it's, it said, either you're brainwashed or you're weird and ugly. There's no in between. And I think this really, the crux of that quote comes at this point when she's about to get shackled back in the box and she sort of has this electric circuit go through her of awakening of like, oh gosh, no, that's actually not me. That's not right. That's confining that there's something wrong with that. And, you know, she's perfect. She's pretty. She has no cellulite. Da, 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 da. And she's chasing that life after she goes to real world. She's chasing to go back to that. But then she recognizes something in herself that is bigger than that in that moment, right before those little twist ties go around her wrist. She's like, oh shit. You know? And so I felt the relief too, Taddy. I totally, because it, it, it strikes deep in the core of being a, a woman of this feeling of being smushed, this feeling of being contained, of being pushed back, of being held. And it's it's an emotional conversation because it's always there. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, there's always an opportunity to break free or to conform. And the structure of patriarchy creates that and keeps that alive, right? Yeah, I, I I do. I think it's emotional. It is emotional. It is. I mean, yeah. it's what this podcast is built on. It's what our life's work is built on of like continually climbing out of said box, whatever box it is. And there's a million boxes that you will get placed in, in your life. And if you aren't paying attention, you go in willingly, you go in with your arms ready to be shackled because you just haven't looked at this piece, right? Or you don't know any different, or this is how it's always been or whatever, insert story, right? Mm -hmm. And to push past when she goes out and says she has to go to the bathroom and then takes off, you know, that is like, yes, that is her using her voice. That's using her strength. That's digging deep for those pieces of herself that are starting to emerge that she doesn't actually know yet in that moment, but she knows that the box is not interesting. Like there's something about it that's waking up that that is not what she's interested in doing. And we'll have a million of those moments a week. If we really are looking, we can have a million of those experiences. Yeah. And it, you know, it's like the, the opposition of that reality of, oh, you're either weird or ugly, or you're living in a box is like, that's such such bullshit. It's such a glass ceiling (laughs) that breakthrough. And I love that it was put on display in this movie. And then I love that after she takes off to the bathroom, she gets seen for the first time by a human being with mm. the 
mother Ruth, right? The mom of Barbie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, and the ghost, and she sort of really sees her, and she's like, "Have a sip of tea," and she drinks the tea. She's like, "Oh, I'm not used to having going down, right?" And the woman was just, she didn't have a, she didn't think she was weird. She didn't have a reaction. She's like, "You're perfect as you are, as as this version of Barbie right now." And then it gave her more gumption to like keep going, right? To keep breaking yeah. free. So I th- I like that symbolism. I thought that that was really well done. I I also that was I think my favorite part of the entire movie was when she saw that old woman because I I did my research before I saw the movie <laughs> I was yeah. a little into it and the woman that she saw in that room was supposed to be portrayed as the creator of Barbie mm-hmm. and the creator of Barbie was a mom who decided to make a doll after her daughter and the doll doesn't look like her daughter it's just a doll that was named after her daughter you know her daughter's name was Barbara and Barbie's mm-hmm. name was Barbara and I thought that that was a beautiful moment where Barbie got to see the woman that created her and it was kind of like a mother-daughter situation mm-hmm. you know she doesn't see the weird she just sees Barbie mm-hmm. because there isn't a weird it's just her you mm-hmm. know and I thought that was I cried at that point <laughs> I think I cried at that point too did you, yeah yeah, yeah was, I think we all had to shed some tears in that amazing. part because it struck something in us that every woman can relate to, I think, in the world want, wanting to be seen. Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I just think like every a lot of women feel like this, there's this pressure to be like perfect mm-hmm. and to look put together and composed. And she very much wasn't. She was frazzled, you know, she's mm. having like a crisis or whatever. Yeah. And she didn't know how to drink tea. She wasn't like perfect or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Ruth was looking at her without judgment, mm. without contempt, not like she was yeah. to pick apart and find flaws out of, but rather right. just like just a person. Just, yeah. You know, there was nothing wrong with her. Yeah. But we always kind of like expect that someone's going to find something that's wrong with us. Mm-hmm. Right. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. What, and what is that feeling? Like, what do you, like when you watch that, what did it, was it like a feeling of relief or like, that's what I want or like. Yeah. It's like longing. Hmm. Like just for like, a, just one day where you can just go out and not care what other people think of you and not always expect the worst. Hmm. Like people or like think you're ugly or like walk past you and go, she's a mess or something like that. Just hmm. for some people just feel like it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. You're nailing it there, Kenzie, that the feeling is longing. Totally. That's, that's so the feeling is like wanting that for yourself and, but wanting it for all women, right. Wanting it, wanting that freedom for everybody. And I mean, not even just women, but in this case, this, this, this conversation, I mean, Mattel, Barbie, it's, if we're talking about sexism and misogyny, right. That's, <laughs> that's really what this movie is pointing towards. And you know, I think there is conversations about whether or not this these points are actually getting through for the community. Do you have some things to say about that, Ken's? Well, I think it was getting through to some people, not others. <laughs> uh-huh. You talk to like, no offense, but like a man. Oftentimes they'll say like, oh, Ken was the saving grace of the movie because he was like the comedic relief. And it, none, none of it actually got through their souls. <laughs> You know, kind of like bounced off <laughs> where they didn't actually, they didn't see, they didn't, they weren't looking for it or, or they didn't recognize it. Mm-hmm. They didn't, yeah, they didn't know what to look for. Yeah. And if you're 
got your blinders on, right? You're, you're, or the tension of the conversation is too much for you. You can just, yeah, I'll go look over here at Ken and laugh, you know, like break the tension. I think a lot of men that I've talked to about it, like my father and my brothers, um, specifically my father, he didn't, I don't think he wants to see that there's something wrong. Betty doesn't. And so when there's a movie like this that is very big for women, um, and that it's, it's even it's big for men too, you know, like it can be big for men if mm-hmm. men would allow that in, you know, he, his panic came on and he just shut it down. He closed it off and, you know, he was, he was making fun of it. Mm. He really just, I was very surprised to see how in, in denial, you know, a lot of men in my life are being mm. and not realizing that those issues that Barbie dealt with when she went to the real world was stuff that me and my friends deal with every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's massive. That's, that's painful. That's a painful reality when our support system of male figures is not getting it. We already don't feel seen on a regular. And now the people who are loving us and nurturing us and are part of our foundation don't see us either. It's like, Oh shit. Like what the hell we're doomed. (laughs) <laughs> and you know we've talked about this again it's like it's like not our job to educate these men either you know it, it's and to push it on them like because that doesn't feel good either it conjures up something else in us of like having to force someone to look at us like that's not the same as being seen right mm-hmm. and then we're we're hysterical feminists who are burning our bras right there's all that just puts us in another box really so, the, you know, the, I think what I've loved the most about this is the conversations that are spawning from it. Yet, whether you agree with it or not, at least we're talking about it. At least this, these issues, multi-issues have a platform right now that are front and foremost, like mm-hmm. millions and millions of people have seen this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the 16th highest grossing movie in Warner as of like, yeah, like it's billion dollar industry. And that's the argument. Oh, well, they're just making money and now they're going to make movies off of all their toy characters, which they will. And that is not this conversation, right? Let's stay with the conversation, which is actually about women and sexism and patriarchy and, and all of these very serious, very tense issues. So it's like, let's not blow by that just to talk about shitty Mattel and how they're going to make all this money. (laughs) Actually look at the issues, you know, and I think that's an interesting dynamic that's happening too. It's like, it's really easy to throw the baby out with bathwater, so to speak, and just be like, oh, we're not just, eh. it's just a shitty movie. We're not going to even talk about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in all, full disclosure, that was mine. I was like, oh, they're just doing this to sell so much of pap. And then I saw it like Kinder Eggs and Barbie displays. And I was like, oh, for Christ's sake. Oh. I really had an adverse reaction to it. And then I really respect Kenzie and her friends. I respect that they are women who are, the next generation and they are doing this work like these these women are doing the work way earlier than I was doing this work and when they expressed you know when Ken's like no mom like you need to go see this I was like all right let's go you know it I I took that seriously because it it turned something on in them of conversations that they know they need to be having and they're 17 and 18 you know that and they're the next generation like these are the women that are paving the next road here I'm getting to the age where I'm like, 
yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to put me in the box now because I'm looking at it all the time and I'm not interested in it. I get, I get it, but it's different, right? The the feeling and the tone of the, the impact of these stories have when you're 17 and 20 and 25 versus 40 plus, if you've been looking at this, you know, it's, it's just different. So I just really respect the conversations that I'm able to have with the next generation. Very young. I didn't have these. Well, I mean, <laughs> my mother is an exception, but you know, she, she, she was pretty feminist too. And my aunt, but wasn't like this. It wasn't like looking at what patriarchy actually is and how, how we need to kind of navigate this with our men and our women, you know, and non-binary. And I mean, then there's this other layer on top of it. Right. But yeah. What were you going to say? Dean? Well, I feel like when you said talking about like the next generation, we were having experiences where we were talking to older women about this movie like when we went to go see it tap sat beside an older woman mm-hmm. and she like cried the whole way through the movie because she had never seen these experiences like paved out right and i think that too like i remember one tiktok i saw where it was a girl like our age talking about how she thought parts of the movie were overdone until she quote she heard in the bathrooms after the movie an older woman with her friends saying that they'd never heard you know, these things spoken aloud and it actually like touched them where like, we, wow. we've heard these conversations all the time that like there were some parts of the movie where I thought like, well, okay, like we've heard this, this <laughs> happened before. It's not groundbreaking mm-hmm. for us. Right. For, because we're on social media all the time. These conversations right. are happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas older people may not have, don't have the same kind of totally exposure it wasn't it wasn't a topic that you could talk about freely it was frowned upon yeah even if it's frowned upon now it's out there Mm -hmm. and it's because it's out there it's going to be talked Mm. about but yeah the woman beside me was like to see realization in her eyes and to like I could hear her sighs of relief Mm. when topics would be brought out wow she she cried with me like it was that's cool it was a complete stranger that felt the exact same thing I felt mm. and it was amazing because we're all girls yeah we've all like been through the same things mm-hmm. and it's like girlhood you know like and all these women of all different ages have come to watch the movie and they're all like this is us and it's I think it's really like beautiful even if there's still issues with the movie <laughs> like oh I love that the yeah. the intent of the movie is that we were all we're all like everyone wore pink yeah we're all like we were watching the movie as young girls even if we weren't we aren't all young girls yeah it really it really appealed and played to the the thread that connects all of us right we all come from different places we've all had different upbringings but there's this thread even though it's from this sad place of oppression and patriarchy and, and suffering but there was a, a relating like to hear that women in the bathroom, like when you, when they told me this story, I was, my head almost exploded. Then I'm like, of course, because you know, the, when America Ferreira, is that how you say your name? Ferreira? Yeah. When she's, when she does that whole, like women have been impressed and you're too fat and you're too thin. And she does that whole thing. We've heard that yeah. or some riff off of that. Yeah. But Kenzie said that like this woman had never heard that before. And I was like, Wow. No wonder. So like to me alone, that is a service. That movie has provided a service. And if that's all you get from it is that you actually get to hear another woman that you don't know, speak those words out loud into the ether. Like that's potent. That's powerful. That shit stays with you. That wakes something up. 
you know? Yeah. And it's a form of being seen, right? In an totally. injury, right? Like that, that moment oh. when Harvey's about to get shackled and she chooses not to be is the same moment as this woman sitting next to you crying and going, oh my God, I am seen. Like I have had these feelings my whole life and it's yeah. never been validated in any way. And now on freaking Hollywood television, it is being said to me. That's, <laughs> like for someone of that age, I think about my mom, like she would, my mom, I was crying with, I was trying not to cry through the whole movie because my mom would have just, she would have cried through that whole film because my mom was the person sitting next to you, like for sure. And she would have been baffled and like confused and had all these different feelings inside of her because of her own internalized misogyny, but also this recognition of, oh my God, these women are telling the truth. Like this is real. This is actually true, you know? And so that is a lot of people right now, right? Like we forget when we live in these little bubbles of these conversations day in, day out, that there's, like you said, like this generation who doesn't even have TikTok, the conversations just aren't there unless you have a circle, right? That's fascinating. Yeah. But not everyone has a mom like you talking, like encouraging these conversations with the girls in your life, you know, and that's, and that's such a gift, right? But I don't think it's what everybody's doing. So I think that's why this conversation is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so impactful in, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Taddy? Do you remember what you were about uh, to say? Yeah. So when you were talking about the speech and how that awakened women, I thought that that was a complete parallel to the movie, right? She used that speech to de-brainwash <laughs> those other Barbie dolls mm-hmm. that were brought into the patriarchy that Ken brought, you know? Um, and I was, I, I kind of thought that is this, it's an imprint of all of our lives. You know, that movie was used, that speech was used for that in the movie and also around the entire world, you know? Yeah. And it, even though my mom is a feminist and she wants, she works in a workplace full of men and she tries her hardest to, you know, get past all those Mm. stereotypes, I feel like that would have still woken up something in her, Mm -hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there's always another layer to look at. That's the thing. Like, this movie woke stuff up for me, too. Like, things we've been looking at, but, like, from a different angle or, like, you know, hearing the woman in the bathroom talking after saying, like, shit, I never heard that before. And, like, how dismantling that would be if you'd never heard that before. And to have that, like, right in your face. And what happens, I think one of the most beautiful parts of this movie is that it allowed shame to dissolve on this universal level because when you are seen or when your story is relating, when you can see like, oh, I'm not the only one suffering with my body image or I'm not the only one thinking that I'm getting put back in boxes or, you know, all of the little, the storylines that went with that, there was a feeling of, of the unity that you guys were talking about. And when we have that, you know, the shame kind of can dissolve a little bit in that, you know, I don't have to hold this by my, I thought of that with your mom, like how much of that was so internalized. And then to be seen, like there's a high level of vulnerability in that, but also this companionship with the 500 people that are sitting in the movie theater, however many people are there with you, where you can collectively feel the sigh or the exasperation or whatever the emotion that arose but there was a a feeling like Ken's when we went there was like 12 or 13 people in the theater and you could feel it you could feel the women getting something from it you know there was just there was these moments where something would shift and I was like oh and as soon as the lights come on it's like you know like all the things were being like 
put out there and I was like, oh yeah, here we go. This is amazing. Cause now more people are talking about it and more people are sharing about it and we have to look. Yeah. Well, I looked around when I was at the theater, there was, it was almost full. Cause I decided to go see Barbie on international movie day, apparently <laughs> um, on Sunday. So yeah, we walked into the parking lot. It was full. And then everyone was wearing pink and Ari just about lost his mind. He was like, Oh my God, what am I doing here? But mm-hmm. bless his soul. He came and he did it and he sat through it. And, you know, I could feel him ver- reverberating a little like coming and going when we were watching it. And, and I could feel myself cause I, if he hadn't been there, I'd have, I would have cried the whole movie, like think probably, but I kind of kept it together because I was a little bit like aware that he was there and he, he was having a hard day yesterday. And I just, there's a lot of complexities, but there was probably 10, 20 other dads. It, most of the men that were there, I think were dads with their daughters, you know, and I don't know what they thought about it, but they had to sit there and they had to be in the space of that vibe that you're talking about. There was this space, like these two women came in to sit in front of us. They were probably in their eighties. The lady could barely walk and she's just getting up the stairs and everyone's helping her get up into her seat. The movie had already started. And I'm like, she came to this for a reason. Like that was not an easy thing for her to do, you know, but Yeah. yeah. And there was just this holding of of every of the the feminine in that space of like this is for us and we're in this sort of together in some weird way so yeah it was um i think that part is quite special which you know i think is something not to be disregarded agreed yeah what parts of the movie didn't really land for you what part were you kind of like you cringed or you were like uh that doesn't really work i um that there was definitely like I know you can't have representation for every single group but I think for a lot of women who don't really identify with femininity to that extent Mm -hmm. they're like oh well the closest Barbie that represented me was weird Barbie right and you know weird Barbie is more of like comedic relief Mm. in a way like yeah people are weird in that sense but not really yeah it was more so just like oh yeah this is kind of just like jokey joke you know Mm -hmm. I don't know maybe but there was a lot of women who maybe don't dress feminine or don't express themselves or identify with hyper femininity yeah so they kind of were watching the movie and felt like there wasn't space for them like because maybe Mm -hmm. they don't like to wear makeup or dress and they have shorter hair or or whatever right and they just sort of were watching it going well like this movie isn't really for me, even mm. though it's it's targeted towards women. There's right. like a lacking yeah. of, you know, there's kind of like two or three different kinds of women, but I mean, right. every woman is different. Yes. But there, I felt, I saw a lot of people talking about how they were just, well, like I'm a woman, but I don't have these experiences of like right. being seen as like a dumb blonde or like inferior because maybe they surround themselves in more male dominated spaces and men tend to like, you know, if you're a masculine woman, sometimes masculine men, like they talk to you like you're a man, or right, like right. they don't, they don't treat you like you experience misogyny, but I guess in a different way. And there was just sort of like a lack of that kind of representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you heard some of that on TikTok? And yeah, like, yeah. Where, you know, women who aren't feminine, were kind of just watching it like, well, your Barbie is the closest I'm going to get. Right. And so, maybe that's not a compliment. To right. Them. Right. Yeah. Right. Or just very one or the other there wasn't like yeah. enough middle ground yeah that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's a huge criticism that we're gonna 
navigate. Yeah, like all women are yeah. hyper feminine. Right. And yeah. It's like that's not true. Yeah. Totally. Especially in this day and age where the juxtaposition between feminine and masculine is now there's just a whole different shade in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. There's just more there's just more diversity. Yeah. Yeah. And less labeling and and diversity, I think, is also right. I've seen <laughs> like a couple commentaries of they made it's nice to see yourself represented on screen, which is why representation is so important. And you know, they made one offhanded joke, or not like a joke, but sort of thing I think a lot of people kind of sat weirdly, where America Ferrari or what her character, I think her name's Gloria, she was like, Oh, this is like indigenous people, uh, you yeah. know, they have defenses against smallpox but there's not a barbie that's indigenous Mm. and so it kind of felt like oh we're woke we see it happening but we don't actually have a barbie that's indigenous in the film at least i'm not sure if there is one i'm sure there's not but there's there wasn't any representation so it's like acknowledging it like oh yeah indigenous people you know have experienced hardships we're not actually going to like be anyone's saving grace here right we're yes. not actually addressing it in any yeah. way yeah like checking the box like yeah mm-hmm. they're like oh that happened we've acknowledged it <laughs> yeah good for yeah. us and they're like okay we're done now like we've done what we needed to do mm-hmm. yeah. and a lot of people were like it's weird to see you know a commentary made about like maybe you are indigenous watching that film and you're kind of like oh but there isn't an indigenous barbie mm-hmm. or like there was no representation in the movie and it's, right a lot of people were like oh it's like off Pudding. yeah that took you out for a minute right right left you unsettled because you're like well did they did they add that in for the right reasons right right mm-hmm. or are they checking the pc boxes of like diversity mm-hmm. like oh we've got you know a trans barbie we've got like a black barbie we've got you know all okay. these different or we've got like a barbie with a disability right but we don't have an indigenous barbie so let's just make a really odd timed comment it was. It kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. 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 It was it very much felt like a tokenism moment of like, oh, we're just gonna throw that in there. And, and but yet there's no there's no context around it. And there yeah, is it was very misplaced. It was yeah, yeah it, it didn't really have any substance to it where it yeah. could have been something. Because that could have been like a, a gateway to talk more about intersectionality within feminism, but it it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was an example of them trying to pack too much into the film. Like yes. I when they did said the thing about appropriation, when the white husband, America Ferrera's husband was trying to learn Spanish and he was trying to say something to Barbie at the end. And then she says it wrong. And she's like, that's appropriation. The daughter says that to him. But it's again, it's this fleeting thing where they're like making fun of it. And it's like, is that necessary? Is that actually speaking yeah. the truth of how, how detrimental that actually, that behavior actually is? So I hear you. I think there was a couple moments like that, that they could have just, they would just been better off to leave it alone, you know? Yeah. Different movie. Because I think it, it's more damaging mm-hmm. yeah. to include it and then not like talk about the severity of the issue than it would be to just not include it at all. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Cool. Those are really great examples how about you Taddy was there an example that kind of stuck out to you where you're like eh? I guess just more a couple scenes okay a couple things like I guess yeah so when when people were talking about how Ken was oppressed in Barbie Land and all that I could see how they would think that and I could see how that could be true and it was true to a certain extent but I was also thinking to myself how even if he was oppressed he didn't feel unsafe 
Mm. and he wasn't disrespected mm. and he wasn't talked down to mm. people thought like I could people some people see how he was talked down to I'm on the other side where I don't I didn't see that I thought you know he was he was still a a big part of Barbie land was Ken you know yeah and he was kind of doted on still yeah. like hey Ken all the Barbies acknowledged him but yeah he wasn't unsafe he wasn't ogled he wasn't objectified you know, yeah <laughs> that was that was really important because a lot of people were saying you know Ken's oppressed and I was like yeah but even with that oppression he's still safe you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. there's nothing doesn't have to feel scared of being alone in a dark room right or being alone on the street at night you know yeah and I thought that was a really important thing mm-hmm. that I think a couple of people missed you know yeah yeah, yeah. no one was going around grabbing Ken's ass <laughs> exactly <laughs> yep and it's funny, but it's not because that is actually true. Like, yeah. and we all, all four of us know exactly what you're talking about. It's just, that's kind of shocking, right? Like that was another kind of a miss mm-hmm. that they could have, they could have yeah. really played on. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I feel like it, they were making a point as women producers and women made movie, like it's all women, this movie, it's like, they're making a point of calling out the men in all these ways. So I understand why they created Ken to be the way he was. Like Ken was pretty weak. He's a weak ass dude. Let's Not be sexy. <laughs> Not, Not sexy. sexy. Even I though was yeah, exactly. But I I think you're right. I think that is a missed opportunity. Like I remember the scene where he's in the real world talking to the business guy about how he's like patriarchy still exists you know don't worry we just keep we just do it better. Right. we keep it on t- I that made me so angry I was like fuck this no 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 Ken needs to know better to like no like it was annoying to me and I I was like there's some other way they could have handled that or at least they should have he should have circled back Ken should have manned up and gone to the real world and like kick that guy's ass or like something more like movie like where they can you can play with those realities I don't know I found that it's like we need to do better, so we actually need to show men how to do better. But I get that the the film wasn't about that, but yeah. there was something that just jarred me there. Well, on the same vein, I think because we're older yeah. and we've experienced this for a longer period of time, when Barbie at the end of the movie, I said this again. See, when Barbie at the end of the movie went to the bed where Ken was like pouting and crying and like his shit had been put on the table, and she they told him the truth about what had jackass he was and then she's kind of like consoling him and picking him up I'm like no that guy needs to sit in his shit for a minute and like think about his shit and not be rescued by Barbie I don't know that part Mm -hmm. for me was ew like it didn't feel like she was woke and she was like oh I can just you know I I know myself you know and I can I can hold space for this man this the man had to learn how to hold some space for himself yeah and that part, it really left a bad taste in my mouth when I watched that. I was like, no, maybe Ken just needs to be by himself crying on the pillow, thinking about what he's done and how he can do better. Just in the same vein you were talking about, like, yeah, that part really kind of picked my picker a little bit. I don't know. I just, I didn't think it was necessary. I just didn't think it was that piece of it was like, why would they put that in there? I still don't even know. Any thoughts? I I thought it was a kind of like, another mirror on how women always apologize for everything even if it's not us if my brother hits me and I'm like like you know we're play fighting and Uh he's a boy and he's like air punching me and then he you know 
he smacks my arm and I'm like, whoa, like why would you do that? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh no, I'm sorry. I got mad at you. Oh, why? You know, women are always apologizing. So you think that's what the play was on it? I think, I feel like that could be it. Even if we're so programmed and we're so by our nature, very sympathetic and apologetic people that even if we do no wrong in that situation, we're going to feel sad. Oh, that's an interesting spin. Feel those emotions from the person that is sad and sorry. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah, I feel like women apologize for a lot that they don't actually, they shouldn't be apologizing yeah. for. Yeah. Because they they just like, be, they've been made to feel bad because mm-hmm. Ken was having a literal meltdown about it. <laughs> yeah. And she probably felt bad because women are are so used to being like, apologizing for other people's behavior <laughs> yeah right that she probably was like oh this was my fault like i made yeah. him have this meltdown oh so now i need to fix it I yeah to- that's what made me gag though yeah. that, i feel like that's, cool. what that's what a lot of women feel like right it's like oh i have to have to fix, fix him so yeah like, oh i have to fix him yeah yeah get, <laughs> get small and make it better i don't know that's even more disturbing to me now <laughs> They do address this a little bit in the film when Barbie and America for talk. I don't remember the character's name, America for it was a Gloria. Yeah. So Gloria is talking to Barbie and Barbie's like, yeah, but I don't want to be, I want to be kind. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, girl, girl, really? Yeah, do you yeah. see these guys behavior? Like she kind of calls it yeah. and Barbie kind of, kind of gets it, but kind of doesn't. And I think right. of that is that like, she's not quite human yet. She's still sort of programmed as Barbie and, you know, Mattel has money to make. So they are also playing like the palatability of Barbie on some level from a like right. money making standpoint. They're still going to do that. Mattel's only going to agree to so much. So she still has to, fit. <laughs> has to fit in some box of palatability, which like if she just said, dude, get your fucking pants on and go walk for yourself over there. Like, I don't that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like Barbie, if Barbie said that, there's something that would have been off-putting about it, which like- I would have bought every Barbie in my sight and given it to everyone I know. So I guess I'm in the I'm in the fringe there, but well, yeah, I, I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, we have to be, we have to be critical too. Like this isn't just a movement, this movie. It is also a massive commercial endeavor. Absolutely. And man, is it a smart one? Because it yeah. plays those angles so beautifully. It's because- yeah. You want to love to hate it. Like there's oh, yeah. the, there's aspects of that. Like that's where I was. I was like, no, I'm not going to see Barbie. I don't want this, all this shit out again. You know, it's, but then, you know what I loved at the end where I really melted was the montage with the pictures of the babies. Like, so me and my daughter were both crying our faces off at the movie. And I loved that. And then all the nostalgia of the Barbies. I forgot. Like when day to night Barbie came up on the screen, I was like, oh. I had day to night Barbie. I loved day to night Barbie. Like that level of nostalgia was like, I I really enjoyed that part and I wasn't expecting that. So yes, there was some problems, you know, it was imperfect, but it, it really, for me, it, it did enough for me to say like, you should see this movie, especially when I hear things like women in the bathroom had never heard that conversation. I was like, okay, well then everybody needs to go see this movie just in case. Right. Yeah what auntie lynch was talking about of like the pathetic man like how mm-hmm. they're pathetic isn't that like <laughs> just this is an idea is that not a play on how men see women oh yes oh totally i think that was an entire i think you nailed it kens for sure i think it was a play 
they're too emotional. Yes. They're always trying to get the guy. They're always like manipulating. Yeah, they're. I feel like that was kind of why they were all so pathetic was because it's like, oh, well, this is actually how women right, are treated right. in the real world. They're, they're like, they're not put together. They think only with their emotions. Right, right. They did, they did touch on that movie yeah. for sure. So they do only things to impress men, men. just how can try to impress Barbie right. on the beach. Right, you know? yeah. It's like we live for men. Yeah. 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 And the gro- like the groveling, right? Like he was literally groveling for her okay. and it, oh god like it was really pathetic yeah <laughs> that's the feeling right it's so like you get <laughs> an embarrassment but then you realize <laughs> that, that that's how men see us oh christ i never it's even thought of it that way in the last scene it didn't occur to me that to think that that was that and of course that makes perfect sense it's like it's like oh they're so self-involved like they're they're emotional they're manipulative they're they only think about themselves they're yeah like they're in their own world. Like Ken was like, oh my God, what have I done? I'm the worst person in the world. I'm literally going to like. Right. So de- self-deprecating. Yeah. yeah. I feel yeah. like that's kind of the play. And then Barbie comes in and saves him. Like the men <laughs> save the women. Like. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And she had, like Lynn had said, like she hadn't fully become self-realized, you know, she's still got work to do, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, because I feel like that final scene when she's standing with Ruth, the mother, and they're holding hands and she, she literally moves into humanity. It was like, it, it, it completed the process of de-indoctrinating her or whatever. And like bringing her to her heart in this way of like, oh, I'm a, I'm a human being now. And I wonder how she would handle that differently in the future, you know? Yeah. That interlude with Ken at the end. Yeah. Mm, yeah good point yeah it's fascinating I suspect do you think that we'll see a Barbie part two no you no, don't oh no. okay good. I think it was a one and done I yeah I think they I think the world wouldn't be able to handle a Barbie two without some type of riot happening based <laughs> off of yeah. why would we need another movie and then also oh. women thinking and also women thinking I don't want another movie on Barbie or mm. you know just I think a mm-hmm. lot of people would get scared because this movie has done so much and uplifted and you know dug deep within so many problems mm-hmm. that are happening just everywhere you know there are countries that have banned this movie already right and that's crazy yeah, I feel like part of the reason why we were why they were able to get away with it for so long is because nobody really knew what Barbie was about. Too, <laughs> Mom was saying that she when we were going to see it, she had no idea what the plot of the movie was, and I didn't when I went to go see it, and I was kind of like apprehensive too mm-hmm. because I was like, well, I just don't want to like sit around and watch like a bar- like a movie about Barbies, like yeah. whatever. Yeah, but I feel like if they made a Barbie too, everyone would be like, oh, right. here we go again. Right, right, right. Shoving feminism down our throats that's exactly it yeah. is they would I that's kind of gross throw it back at women wow. instead yeah. of you know they'd probably make a second movie because of profit like capitalism yeah, yeah and then it would be then it would totally throw out all the amazing things that, from the first movie yeah. right yeah, yeah. hopefully like, this producer has enough sense oh yeah the director Greta director. Gerwig she's She's very, she, she, she directed like little women. Like she's she's even, yeah. Okay. So she's got her finger on the pulse of things. Yeah, she's yeah. quite young too. She's, and, yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't imagine she would sell out, sell out on another Barbie movie. Like, yeah. I mean, for the sake of making money. She's, she's here to make a, an impact. It seems an impact. like. Yeah. 
that's what I hope is taken from this is like this movie is gazillion billion dollars. It's a top 20 in the, in the history of movies and it's all women. So mm-hmm. the takeaway is that more women should be directing movies and <laughs> acting in movies. Like, yeah. you know, but is that going to be the takeaway? Do you think? Yeah. What do you think the takeaway, the, the mainstream takeaway of this movie would be? I think it's pretty split, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like there's a lot of, a big majority is that this movie is extremely important to watch and to understand, especially not just to watch, but you need to watch with an open mind mm-hmm. and an open heart. You know, you need to be able to under, to ask questions before even going into the movie mm-hmm. and then seeing it. But I think also on the other hand, there's a lot of people that are just thinking the feminine, the feminine side of the world is trying to take over you know we're we're trying to push out men and I like I see that in my family too my brother he's going to see it with his girlfriend and I'm praying that he has an open mind Mm. because he's been you know shown the very harsh masculine side of the world by my father and I just I'm just hoping that you know what a lot of people have taken from this won't impact his young mind. Right. You know, he's very impressionable. Yeah. And that can be dangerous. That can be. Yeah. It doesn't hard. take much. Yeah. 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 And even if the movie just puts a little crack mm-hmm. somewhere along his, his view. Yeah. I mean, that's why I don't want to see the Barbie movie with my dad. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's like, it's nice and like sacred <laughs> almost. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to have to explain feminism or, you know, patriarchy to another person. I'm over it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, I don't want to be that person for someone. Amazing. You know, you don't have to, like, the, there's kind of this expectation of, like, oh, you, like, if you're a part of a group that's been marginalized or oppressed, yeah. you have to explain all the <laughs> intricate details. <laughs> to every single person but not everyone deserves that I don't mm-hmm. think and when you see the actions of people when they like if I were to go see Barbie movie with a man I didn't like and then mm-hmm. I have to explain to him why like Barbie didn't feel safe on rollerblades in tight spandex walking around a beach full of hundreds of men cat calling her I might lose my mind mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> because yep not everyone deserves that kind of education because it's like well maybe you should open a book or go on Google. <laughs> I'm not Google. <laughs> I yep. you know, so it's yep. like it's like a sacred thing. I think like I don't want to be, I don't want to, you know, go to it with someone and then like, I thought that movie was because I only like Ken because he was the funny part of the movie. Everything right. else was dumb feminism propaganda. Yeah, and almost force you to kind of water it down and make it palatable for them. Like yeah. I mean, I think some of those conversations will be happening. Um, but I don't think that's everybody's walk. And I definitely don't think that's your walk mm-hmm. for sure. It's yeah, like watering it down, making it less important so that someone can digest understand it. it. Yeah. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> right? Because like if you don't get it, then you don't get it. And <laughs> I don't want to explain it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I can, I just so appreciate what you just said because I'm learning from you right now in this moment, because I am someone who chronically cares more than other people care about shit. And I did just like, I work so hard and I try so hard and I have FOMO about it. It's like, maybe if I say it this way, they'll be able to hear it. Maybe if I try this Avenue though, and it's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting and it's futile because they don't listen anyway. In fact, they usually just get mad and then blame it on me or it somehow becomes my issue or my responsibility. And you're right. It isn't. And it's their work to do. And if they don't do it, why is it any of my business? It isn't. So, yeah. If you wanted to cry all the way through Barbie, make it might make other people uncomfortable, but like, that's your own thing. Yeah. Totally. I had no Kleenex. So I was just, you know, holding it in because I didn't have any way. I was not expecting tears. Wasn't either. But yeah, yeah. I I do appreciate that perspective too. And I mean, I know that about you because you talked to me about this stuff, but like that, that ferocity that you have around, I'm doing my work. I'm 17 and I'm doing my work. You too, Taddy, like you said some things where I'm like, shit man if I had this when I was 17 I'd be running the world right now like the whole thing that's the feeling I get and that's you know that's the importance of of you guys continuing to use your voices even like what you're doing is brave this podcast is brave you're saying things that people of your generation aren't going to understand you're saying things of my generation like my people aren't going to understand or they're not going to relate to and it matters not it is not your job to help people figure this out. It is your job to say what you see and to tell the truth about your experience as a woman or however you identify in the world and continue to do that. And everybody else will just have to fucking get over it if they don't like it. Like that's what this, that's the roots of this podcast is yeah. to not edit ourselves because we need spaces where we can have these conversations. Like we need these spaces, right? And like Katty, you were saying, it's not safe sometimes we don't feel safe. And especially if you don't identify with the normatives, right? Then it's even less safe. Like you brought up Kenzie, like that's really, really, really important. And I think if anything comes out of this movie, it's that, that we need to create these safe spaces for these conversations to be happening. Mm -hmm. And it's not our job to make people get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that point about safety, Taddy is paramount and something so nuanced and wise that you picked out of that film like that most people and and honestly most privileged white heterosis normative women would not even not pick up on because for most of us we haven't felt that unsafe and I, you know I'm not speaking for generally I'm just saying the nature of a privileged woman doesn't necessarily think about that every day and you know even though there is always a lack of safety as a woman identifying as a woman it's it's really really important because it affects every single thing you say it affects every single thing you do the actions you choose to take or not take the the path you you choose for your life and career like it affects everything um so I love that you brought that forward and I do think that's actually a huge distinction with that Ken character and and the reason why him going off and sulking in his bedroom was completely appropriate without the help and compassion of Barbie at the end. Like when he eventually wandered off into Kendom, whatever, and cried, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, off you go. Like he was completely safe to do that. Like you said, you know, there was absolutely no risk to his life and safety and body at that time. Yeah. Judgment too. Uh When he was having his meltdown. Yep. Like Barbie was like, I'm here for you. I got you. Maybe she shouldn't have, but (laughs) 
well, that's besides the point but like you know if a woman had that because mm. when women are expressive oftentimes they're like like they're brought down or they're silenced or whatever yeah right like yep. you know women can't handle these emotions they can't rule they can't be leaders because they're too emotional right don't be hysterical hysterical yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think yeah i'm just so grateful for this conversation i knew it was going to be a good one but i just feel really like connected to your guys's place in the world and like even though i don't know what it's like to be 17 in the world that we live in i feel like there's um there's an allyship that's building between where you know where whereas with my mom and my generation yes i have there was a level of that, but there was a hierarchy that was harder to break through where I feel like we're having harder conversations and more real conversations with, or at least I'm trying to, and I'm trying to listen more. And I really feel like what you guys shared is incredibly important. And I hope you guys continue to have these conversations in your communities and with, with the older people that are safe to do these you know, to have a conversation where we can show up for it, mm-hmm. not the people you have to drag through, <laughs> you yeah. know, they can go, like you said, Ken's open a book and it's just, that's just not your job. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really grateful. Thank you. Is there any final thoughts that you need to get off? I feel like we really went through a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one, I have one hard final question. Okay. okay. When I, was talking to Jamie initially about Barbie and about doing this podcast. And I hadn't seen the movie. I didn't even have really a plan to see the movie, but Jamie was like, you need to see the movie. Kenzie saw it twice. And like, it's so, you know, it's, it's, it's a provoking movie. See it. Um, so of course I was like, I'm on the, I I'm on the gram and I'm reading different takes from different people that I follow and some very left people and some not so left people. And there, and then people who are claiming to be on the same side of everything were diametrically opposed about Barbie. And I thought that was fascinating. I was like, so what is it about Barbie that's making Mm -hmm. this, you know, like these two left-wing women are arguing about it or whatever. And so um, I guess my question is, do you think that Barbie harms young girls' self-esteem in the entirety of Barbie as a stereotype, stereotypical Barbie, I guess we'll say, do you think or believe that she harms young girls' self-esteem? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? Can you say more? Why? I think, you know, as we've become more progressive, there are like plus size Barbies, there's Barbies of different, you know, races and whatever, but they all kind of still fit this one version of like what a woman should look like in the face. And in the body, too, because if you look at, like, Barbies, because I think they did do a line of, you know, bar- Barbies with, like, vitiligo, vitiligo and, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, uh, all different body types and things like that, they're still, they still kind of fit this, like, male gaze almost of, like, there's, they've got, like, like, even, like, the plus-size Barbies or the, you know, they still got, like, an hourglass body mm-hmm. shape. Mm-hmm. They're still, like, they still fit beauty standards in their face. Mm-hmm. you know they still don't really look like real people yeah we need like saggy boob barbie yes <laughs> they're not going all the way yeah yeah just missed opportunity there of like 
I don't know. Like I, when I look at a Barbie, I don't think any of them like might maybe look like me. But then I also feel like there's also this kind of idea. It's like women. There are people who actually do look like that, mm-hmm. and they're being excluded of like they don't like when you say like I guess I did this too, but I said they don't look real. Like they don't look like a real person. We're also shaming women that kind of do fit those standards mm-hmm. of saying like, well, you know, like they're just unattainable, whatever. Uh, they're not real women because right, they right. fit. So it's complicated, right? Yeah. Because there are people who do look like Barbie, but I feel like the mask. Yeah, like Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah. She, she looks just like Barbie. And if I were to look at that Barbie, that she looks exactly like the same. She doesn't look real. She looks like plastic, like right. fake. Yeah. That's insult too. Right, mm-hmm. right. It's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> it is complicated. You're right. Yeah. I do agree. I think it is complicated. Yeah. yeah. So do you feel like it's harming young girls' self-esteem because it's exclusionary still? I think so, yeah. Because there's still this standard being set. Yeah. There's still an aesthetic to go yeah, to. Yeah, they still look like put together like prim and proper. And like, I know that like Barbies, they're still all, I guess everyone's beautiful, but they all fit into the categories that are set for them like yes this barbie is plus size but she also has an hourglass body shape a flat stomach right perky boobs like she still looks <laughs> yeah. like the standard mm-hmm. that's been set yeah it's almost like they're not giving us enough credit <laughs> to like see what it is you know yeah. and it is changing like i am noticing it in advertisements Victoria's Secret, I don't know if they can unring that bell because they shit in the bed a few years ago. But now it's like plus size models and mannequins. And there's something about it that actually rubs me the wrong way. It's like, you know, it's the same thing. I feel like that you're talking about with the Barbies. There's like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Like, shit, we better get our ducks in a row. But they don't actually (laughs) care. It's Mm -hmm. just like they're they're focused more on the image rather than actually shifting their mindset. Yeah, beautiful. They're like, well, we're target will will you know add more sizes to our size range we're not doing it because we actually want these women to feel included <laughs> we're just doing it so that people don't get mad at us yeah and then then it just it it lacks heart on them so yeah they, really, they just don't want backlash mm-hmm. totally i totally agree yeah yeah hey, do you have anything to add how do you feel about that um i Honestly, when Kenzie first said her answer, I kind of was like, whoa, because in my mind, Barbie was like a huge thing for me and because I could be anything, you know, Mm -hmm. I could be a princess or I could be a gymnast. Like I had gymnastics Barbie (laughs) and then I went to go and I did gymnastics for Mm -hmm. four years, you know, I could be a doctor even if I didn't want to be a doctor. (laughs) But then the more I think about it while she was talking the more I realized I started comparing myself to Barbie you know my dad would call me a Barbie doll mm-hmm. and I am very petite I mm-hmm. have a, the stereotypical mm-hmm. Barbie doll figure and when I realized that I do have cellulite and I have hip dips you know I started and my dad would point it out and my collarbone Sweet was like a huge thing I I started feeling awful and I, I didn't know what to do because what are you supposed to do? How do you change that right. when you're 12, you know, or when you're 13? How are you? I and I should, yeah, I shouldn't want to have to change that. You shouldn't should, even be thinking about No, that. exactly. It yeah. shouldn't be, it shouldn't have been a topic brought up. And so I just, I remember even when I started playing with my Barbies, when I started getting to that older age of like 10 or 11, mm. and I started comparing myself so much that I stopped playing with Barbies wow. because I, 
I wasn't, I wasn't a Barbie, you know, mm. and I couldn't be a Barbie. And so it wasn't good enough. Wow. And so then I started using my, my body as a Barbie doll yeah. instead of the doll herself. Mm. And I can still see that like, even, even now, you know, I'll try to, I, I'll try to sit in a proper way that makes me appear better as an hourglass shape or something. And I think that that's, it's not just the Barbie doll, but I think it's people's commentary about you and the doll. Oh, yeah. You know, if, if that never, if that was never brought up to me, I wouldn't have felt unseen. Barbie was blonde right and and light skinned and I was tan and I had brown hair I didn't care right so it's the commentary about Barbie Mm -hmm. I think that's so smart because blaming Barbie is short-sighted it's not about Barbie but it's the representation of that and our commentary Mm -hmm. about what that actually means because she's just plastic yeah but and there's all the things because also like I grew up in different environments than you did right and I didn't grow up with anyone commenting on my body in like a negative way like my mom never you know pressured me to like look a certain way like maybe my dad said some things but it didn't it bounced off me because I had my mom who was very much just look the way you look there's nothing wrong with the way you look and the only time for me like when I was playing Barbie that was never something I thought about like I didn't care I didn't really realize the flaws that I had on myself until I got on social media when I was like in grade eight or nine like this was later and then when my body started to change Mm -hmm. that was when that happened for me it didn't stem from like my dad telling me that I was I didn't fit the standards like your dad yeah. did. Like no, no one in my life ever did that. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have a different relationship with Barbie than you. Because for me, it was just like mm-hmm. an outlet for my imagination. And then when I outgrew it, I outgrew it. I was never resentful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really an amazing distinction between the two of you. That it is, there's a million places in between of like what's happening with how we talk about women's bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And Barbie just happens to be this iconic thing that's been around for I don't know 50 years or however long Barbie's been around and and how the overlay of the conversations around how you developed your psyche play such an important role in this like mm-hmm. I'm just like my head is blowing off right now listening to the two of you talk about the juxtaposition of those those two stories and like and then I'm thinking about the millions of kids in between like oh I just it's like wow yeah like I didn't have like an almond mom What's yeah. an almond bomb? Oh, oh. <laughs> it's almond bomb is like a she has like severe anorexia, okay. like a really bad eating disorder. She's insecure, but says it's health. Like mm-hmm. I eat only yogurt once a day, and then five almonds. That's good for me because I do yoga or Pilates, and I'm skinny, so I'm perfect, and I'm going to project all my insecurities onto my child and make them hate themselves. It's a huge internet term. An mm-hmm. almond mom is like, she's like so obsessed with her self-image and her body, but she pretends she's not. Yeah. And then that yeah. gets projected onto her kids where her kids, she's like, are you really going to eat all that? Shit. See, that's, that's my mom. It was her for about five years. I think three years ago, she kind of, she had the stereotypes of how women are supposed to look really impacted her. And you know, after having two kids, your body's not going to look as it did when you were 20, right? It's, it changes over time. And so she started becoming an almond mom and it was, it was hard to watch. But now with my, I have a stepmom as well. She is 
the stereotypical almond mom you know she doesn't she'll eat a salad a day and that's it you know Mm -hmm. she works out she is very skinny it's very noticeable that she's unhealthy and miserable but she sees so much flaw in herself and the way she looks she feels she's fat but she's my weight at a different height you know Mm -hmm. it's it's so how does that feel like do you internalize any of that sometimes but it's also she projects it on me and my brother. And you're aware. Yes. Well, she'll call me fat. What the fuck? And I and it's just because I have a little bit more meat on my legs or something, right? And I just have to remind myself, you know, it's not that. It's just internalized insecurities because of the stereotypes that surround her and because, you know, how my dad tri- treated me, he'll treat his, you know, his girlfriends. Right. And right. so it, they'll internalize that as well. And I've just grown up with it so much that I can see it needs to I stop. I feel like we need to have podcast but... part two. Like, <laughs> the almond mom conversation like my head is blowing off again like never heard of it have you heard of that Lindsay? an almond mom no no literally a mother projecting all of her insecurities onto her child yeah which like there's already so much pressure for moms like Mm -hmm. there's always this conversation of like you know there's like people talk about it like the daughter and the father will make fun of the mother but the daughter doesn't realize that that she'll be the mom one day exactly and and it's such an important thing and so then you know moms try their best but some of them have just they just internalized all of this these issues and they're so unhappy with themselves mm-hmm. that they do push on with their kids and, mm-hmm. it, and and most of the time it's not intentional they have like good intentions mm-hmm. but it's so damaging yeah fuck yeah it is to, to like i can't told, believe what you just said to be told that you're like overweight taddy is not Oh, and there's nothing wrong with it either. Yeah. But it, there's like this idea that like, oh, being yeah. fat is bad, being skinny. Right, fat phobia is a real yeah. thing. It's, in the, our culture. it's the tone behind that statement being told to me, you know? Yeah. Well, nobody should be talking about your fucking body, <laughs> period. Like, and especially it's, parent, right? And like, it's, not only, it's not only done to me, but it's done to my brothers too. Totally. Like, it's not just a problem that women face, but it's wow. a problem that these little boys are facing like, as well. Gym, gym bros. Gym bros. Gym bros. They have, most of them have undiagnosed eating disorders, but mm-hmm. because men can't be weak, men can't have this, that, that. Like they just- Right, it's more toxic masculinity. It's just, yeah, yeah it's this horrible poison. It is, it is poison. Yeah, because it, it, it like, it gets passed down. Yeah. Well, and I'm, we're aware of this. I had this in my family growing up, like Mm -hmm. commenting on how much I would eat when I was growing and, you know, eating disorders were around me for sure. Mm -hmm. And, but I didn't have the awareness that there was a level of projection that was happening. I just internalized all of it. I was just like, Oh God, I'm like, I took it all in. Right. So then that cultivated a different level of insecurity in me. But I didn't have the awareness at 17 to think, oh, this isn't actually my fucking problem. This isn't even about me. Thank God you have that. And I think of how many, how many women your age, young women your age don't have that awareness. It's crazy to me. We're definitely having these two back for that conversation. <laughs> I feel like this is body image 2.0. Like totally. We- and we've talked about body image 2.0. Yeah. yeah. So I think maybe 2.0 needs to have YouTube involved. Uh- Indeed, because there's a term out there that I've never even heard of about this. Yeah. And I think the reason that like we know what an almond mom is is because <laughs> of the internet. Mm-hmm. No offense, but like yeah. TikTok. Yeah. And I think it's it's kind of a way to let other girls our age or other people our age be like, oh, it's actually not my fault. Because these right. all these people right. have the same experience where their moms are telling them that their salad is too big or they're eating an Oreo today. So they have to go to the gym or they're, Mm -hmm. you know, going to gain weight or something like that. It's like, it's like kind of what you said, like 
the speech in Barbie, bring it back to Barbie. Like I'm brainwashing, like really, oh, like I'm not the only person where my mom's right. telling me fat, disgusting and ugly. So I can like work on not internalizing any right. of it. So right. that my, if I have kids, that right. they don't have the same experience with food and their body that right. my mom gave to me. Right. Break the generational cycle. Yes. You know? Which is what I tried to do when I had a daughter. I was very aware of that. And I know it was imperfect. But yeah. but I was aware of the impact of that conversation in my life as a young girl. And it worked. And I'm <laughs> really happy to hear that. Because like what Tat was saying with her experience with her body and Barbies, I never saw that. Like maybe I didn't, I don't remember, but clearly it didn't leave like an imprint on me. Because mm-hmm. like the only time I started having issues with my body was when I was like in grade eight or grade nine. I was on starting to go on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even so, like not really until grade ten, right? You know, that I started after the COVID and like, during COVID, like my body changed a lot, and yeah. then that was kind of like a lot of people were like, I'm posting on TikTok talking like like their experiences during COVID. Everyone was trying to lose weight. They're mm-hmm. like, this is the time to lose weight because you're home all day. You can just exercise all day, and I did ab workouts at my. I remember you were working out a lot. <laughs> working out a lot. I do remember that too. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. I'm just, I mean, these are the conversations that this movie can really spawn, right? And it makes me feel a sense of relief that the two of you are navigating. And I know social media is imperfect, but you are putting yourselves in circles where these conversations are happening. And and it feels like you have enough awareness to navigate it where you know, like, mm, you know, I'm not actually just going to pick up everything that's coming across my screen. And that there's a safe space for girls to have these conversations because these are hard conversations to have with your mom. Like for you to talk to your mom about that would be yeah. really probably challenging. I'm guessing. Right. Yeah, It's like, I'll bring it up, She's, but I can still see that there's some restraint in her. Yeah, of course. You know? yeah. And then she, because she feels like she's getting attacked when mm-hmm. I bring it up and I want, I'm like, it's not an attack, you know, it's yeah. information. Yeah. And I just want her to realize that it's not, a bad thing to look the way you look mm. you're a human body you know I just you're, it's just something that you need to put clothes on and you feel comfortable you know you, it's not we use it so much as like a decoration and we don't realize that we're just it's just so that we can live yeah and be alive and experience you know the beauty of the world and mm. see a sunset instead yeah. of you know see a a Sephora model or a you know a pink model yeah. in underwear and compare yeah and like use that as a measure of our worthiness in the world yeah. yeah wow I just think you two are absolutely tremendous humans and I'm so grateful for this conversation and for your courage because I would not have had the courage to do this at seventeen eighteen so yeah little high fives through the cameras boop 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 fist bumps uh. <laughs> Yeah, you guys are are incredible. And I'm just, I'm so honored for your bravery to share with us today and to be real about what you believe and what you think and what you see in the world because your perspective is crucial. And um, I learned so much from, from both of you today and I got so much love to give over here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually my faith in humanity is a little bit restored. Yes. And I, I take for granted, like, because I love having you know, Chloe and Taddy and, um, Ken's like, I love having the buzz of them around me. Like I want my house to be the house where they hang out because there's an energy about, I was like, Oh yeah. Like it's not all doom and gloom in the world. These fucking women are coming up. 
And they're kicking ass and taking names and they're 17. Like you said, I would never have done this. There's no hell way I would have done this. So yeah, I'm just, I'm beside myself. I'm blown away on many, many levels. So I'm just really so grateful that you guys did this because it's, it is changing the world when you do this kind of work. Just being you. (laughs) How easy is that? (laughs) One of the things that I just love about the three of you is that you don't, in my perspective, and I might be missing the mark in some ways, I'm sure it's imperfectly perfect, but I just don't see you guys competing with each other in a way where you cut each other to make yourself feel better, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have this level, and I'm sure it happens sometimes unconsciously. I think we all do that on some level when we're in our shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's one thing I've noticed because you guys have kind of grown up together that you really are the what women need to aspire to in terms of being in a a real sisterhood and not competitive with one another well that's the thing is like women are always taught to like there can only be one woman at the top you know like oh yeah it's like crazy right so women (laughs) are so used to doing that right like shaming other women to get up to the top so that they can get like brownie points almost like oh i'm gonna just be a huge misogynist because i'm not like other girls Right. So like their accomplishments, I want to undermine them and I want to come out on top. Yeah. And, and that's patriarchy's yeah. job, right? So you know, I don't feel any of that. If we're turning on each other, we can't we can't go after the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I want her to we can't rise if we're turning on each we can't other. Can't rise. That's right. We can't rise if we're busy chopping each other at the knees. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And stabbing each other in the back and gossiping about one another. Yeah, like I will never stab you in the back. I'll never stab you. <laughs> Well, let's see other till 90. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, you guys, thank you. This was, this was a blast. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was, that was an amazing conversation. Uh, I am equally blown away. I just, I agree. I, I have so much more faith in humanity in this moment, listening to those young ladies, like just the level of autonomy and self-efficacy that they have in what they're saying. I was, I just, I don't know. It was really moving. It was so stirring. It was so stirring that conversation and just the the honesty with which they were able to articulate their perspective. And like that last question, you know? Yeah. I, I, I could not keep my jaw closed. Like listening to that conversation, I was like, Yeah. And just like the level of pathology that runs inside of this narrative about the body, the the male gaze and the female body, like it's unbelievably deeply entrenched. This is, this is wild. The, uh, the impact is wild. Crazy. I did not expect that. I did not expect that level of self-awareness. I know. I know they're, I know they're, they're way woke comparative like I know that because I hear them talking and I know my daughter but like I the the way they have gone all the way with it they've gone all the way through like those that last conversation I was like and even Taddy in real time saying like I never thought about that until Kenzie started talking I was like how are you doing this (laughs) I just learned how to do this last year (laughs) it's so amazing I just yeah felt so I was like like a, a like a full existential sigh of like we, we can be okay <laughs> like we could be okay if if these women keep doing this 
Yeah. Keep having these conversations. And, and these are the conversations they're having when we're not around is what it was. You can tell it's so integrated. So integrated. Once they started talking, I was like, oh, this is their, this is them. This is who they are, you know? And, and like Ken's made some really good points about social media, like that it's actually supportive. TikTok is actually supporting her undoing or doing up the pieces of herself that she's trying to reconcile. That was really illuminating for me because I'm always hating on the fucking social media about everything. It's just ruining our children. It's like, mm, ah, it, it isn't completely. A lot of them. It is ruining a lot of them. But the, the fact that there are these conversations happening in safe spaces, oh, yeah. as you said so many times in that conversation, like yeah, that's yeah. actually the crux of it, right? And like them knowing that they're safe or not. Yes. I didn't know I wasn't safe. Yeah, you just started working on that in the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that's the last five years of my life that I'm like, oh, I was never, I've never felt safe in my body ever, you know? And to pull that out of the movie, like Taddy did. And to know that as a reality in herself, like I was just like, oh my God, you are 18. It's, it's incredible. It's so cool. And yeah, I mean, even if 10% of the youth population is having this conversation, we're doing great. Oh, we agree. Yeah, I uh I'm just I'm I'm just super proud of both of them and like how stretchy that was for Ken's at the beginning. Like, yeah, I was just to hear like I'm gonna cry, but just to hear her say that I didn't fuck her up in that way, like and I have so much shit around it. Yeah. That was powerful to hear. That was that was like, oh my god, I just loved that. I love that for, for both of you, you know, and I'm just so proud of both of them. Like I'm proud and I'm in awe and like, <laughs> like, I feel like I have so much to learn when they started talking about an almond mom. I was like, what is happening? And I mean, very aware, like I'm breaking this in, in, I'm going to try, I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm really going to try to not call myself a fat pig when I'm eating dinner in front of my daughter. Like you know, I never, I really, really, I can't say never, but I just didn't. And even if I had to lie yeah, and lie to myself, like saying like, we're just putting our bathing stones and we're going swimming. Like we're not living like that. I needed to hear that just as much as I needed to model that. Right. And to know that it's, it actually has had an impact, like that it, it, oh, it God. did what I was hoping it would do. It had an impact on me. You do do that. Hmm. You do. You're like, we're going fucking swimming. Let's get on with it. Like you don't, you don't go there. I feel that. And I fucking love it. It makes me feel so safe to put a swimsuit on and go somewhere with you, which I don't feel ever. (laughs) Wild. Yeah. Yeah. So is, you know, there is something to the, like, that's, that's the part where we're not giving the story, the power, right? The story is still running for me. Yeah. It's like, you're not actually going to fucking steal from my life anymore. Like, not yeah you know it's it's right like what Kenzie was saying like that you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't like if you're the Barbie pretty girl you're fucking screwed if you're the weird Mm. Barbie you're fucking screwed you know and if you're none of those Barbies then you don't feel seen so you're fucking screwed so she brought that up because it's a real thing especially because of how she identifies in the world right like and she did send me in the kitchen she's like there's one thing we didn't talk about that we should have and I'm like what she's like trans Barbie She's like, I just, she's like, I just couldn't find the space for it to bring it up, but she's got some opinions about that. 
like that she thinks it was done poorly or that Um, that it was how it was received it is incredibly damaging like the actress apparently has taken shit tons of heat and like the 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 conversation around it is that we're trying to turn people trans like of course all the fucking homophobia shit in the united states right like of course that's there of course that's fucking there like it's not safe for my daughter to go to the most of the united states yeah that's a factual fact yeah lots of places in the world yeah yeah and canada is not excluded from that but you know when you think about the majority of the people who are seeing this they hold the world's population like in in the western world right and like taddy's saying that moved in banding countries i didn't know that like either i didn't know that either but that doesn't surprise me it doesn't surprise me but it didn't even cross my fucking privileged mind (laughs) that this was controversial that it's actually safe for us to even have this conversation yes that the the level of privilege there right i'm not getting nobody's gonna kill me I'm not going to bring shame on my family. Like, no, it's, it's, it's really complicated. And the fact that I think that it's being deduced to this conversation, how Barbie is bad is really short-sighted. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really short-sighted because what it is doing is, is it's uncovering all of these complexities that we actually need to be looking at around what it is to even be a human in this world, let alone just a woman, right? Like there are levels of complexity that we have to start paying attention to if we want to have any sort of peace and joy in our lives and not fight every little fucking thing that comes across our plate like that's what it feels like right now i feel like everything is a fucking fight there's just it's internal fighting it's external fighting the division like yeah well if we make mountains out of every molehill then we can't actually we can't hold complexity it just it just deduces everything to a mess and then it's like you just throw up the papers and get drunk or numb out somehow with something because it's just too big to hold and you know i i do i think that that's very much what's happening in the world right now and so people just pick a side because it's way easier than having like it's to hold this tension is like poof just I just see what they're navigating and how much grace they now are navigating it with and how much like awareness it's just kind of boggling my brain that is it's wild yeah yeah the trans I mean that would have been a good thing to discuss but um you know we just didn't get there maybe maybe we talk about that you know, as our out part of our outro piece, we can say like, this was a piece that was brought up after that we didn't really address. And, you know, I, I do, I think, I, I think the, the real, the reason why it's an issue is because it's, again, there was, it's a bit of tokenism. It's like, Oh, got to have the trans person in there. Like every, they represented everybody. It was like the president was black and female, you know, they had the Asian Ken, they, they had the Latina humans. They, they really tried to cover all the bases and then they dropped the indigenous comment and the appropriation comment. It's like, okay, Mattel, like great job. Like, you know, and (laughs) they're just, but it, it, it did come across as, um, representation that was performative. Yeah. Just like I said, like. Yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of shocked. I don't know. I'm like a little bit in shock. From the interview? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was a different thread to listen to my, my kid, my spawn, my like, like just, you know, like I had a hand in where she is in the world. <laughs> There's just like 
you just, when you're parenting, it's like, you're just doing your best you can. And like, even listening to them talk about the expectation of mothers. Oh my God. I felt so seen by them in that. I'm like, you, if you were going to pick. Oh up. yeah. I was kind of like, yeah, that was beautiful. And Ken sees the misogyny in, in her dynamic of her family. Like, yeah, she does. Yeah. And I just, I just see them. I'm like, oh, these are the girls that are going to change the world. They're going to finish up the work that we're starting, you know, like this oh, is the that to like a matriarchal society of peace and love and seeing one another and supporting one another, like yeah. lifting each other up. What's that? Lifting each other up. Like when they were talking about the sisterhood thing, I just about died that they felt they actually that. get what that means. Yeah. Like in a different way. Right. Like it was not, that wasn't just a put on, that wasn't performative at all. It was like this no. deep, deep feeling. I was like, Oh, they've known God. each other since they were seven years old. Mm-hmm. They've grown up together. Yeah. But even having it in the theater with the people in the, like the straight oh. woman sitting next to Taddy, like they felt like she, to say that about this group of strangers. Like, I just, I was like, wow, like that's, that's powerful. That yeah, is- and told me she heard the women talking about it in the bathroom about how they'd never heard that before. I was like, what do you mean? They've never heard that before. She's like, she's like, well, that's why I said that was kind of my least favorite part of the movie. The, that, that kind of diatribe that she goes on about all the things, you know, summarizing why women are fucked up. Kenzo's like, eh, like, I just thought, you know, I've heard that a million times. Yeah. And she's like, but then I was in the bathroom and I heard an old lady say she'd never heard that before. And she's like, then I realized like, oh shit, (laughs) kind of important. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, I'm very proud of all of us. I'm very proud of you and just the way showing up to this it's yeah it feels really like like I've been thinking about it a lot it's just like it's very much time for this yeah Yeah. Yeah. all right proud of us for doing this we just did it I'm excited for I'm excited for our people to hear it yes I'm really curious what they think (laughs) because I'm biased (laughs) yeah oh it'll be it'll be cool it's the beginning of something new that's for sure yeah yeah cool (laughs) okay I'll check in with you a little bit later Okay, sounds good. I love you. Love you. Bye. That's a wrap. We sure hope you've enjoyed this episode. Lindsay and I are committed to a no-edit recording as we want the conversation to be as authentic as possible. We have a big vision of a transparent and fully expressed world, and allowing ourselves to be heard uncensored feels integral to that pursuit. In addition, our mission is to wake up, shake up, and raise up all authentic voices in cultivating a collective community of rebels on purpose. We are honored to invite you to join the circle and to share your rebel voice in our community. Community is built and sustained through participation, so circle up and engage with us on Instagram at Rebels on Purpose. If you enjoyed the show today, please drop us a review as this helps us widen our circle and lets us know what you'd like to hear. And lastly, from our fiery hearts to yours, we call you to speak up, be curious, and call forward the sacred rebel that birthed inside of you. What the world needs is humans who are fully alive, living a life on purpose, and honoring all that is sacred. Thanks for listening.